You're listening to a sermon from crckulaman.org. All right, it is with great delight that I welcome Carolyn today to our service. Now, Carolyn um, and her husband pastor a church in Port Macquarie, and I think if I'm correct, you guys planted that at about the similar time we planted this one here in Coolman, I think. So, um, yeah, we've been on a little bit of a similar, similar journey in, in some ways. Uh, and Carolyn is just such full of uh, bubbly life and love and uh, really does display the, the big extravagant love of the Father in such a beautiful way. So I always appreciate Carolyn and, and uh, what she brings uh, to a conversation or to a room. And, and I actually don't think I've ever, ever really heard you preach. I'm not sure. So I'm, I'm pumped. I'm pumped today. This is, this is going to be good. Anyway, it's lovely to be here with you all. And uh, I feel very honoured to be here, actually, because I think normally this is your... Testimony Sunday, which I love because we have those in Port Macquarie as well, because I just feel like sharing stories about how good God is and what he's done. There's nothing better than that, is there? And we all have stories to share. So thank you for letting me speak in space of that. Um, So yeah, as Annette said, I'm from Port Macquarie, which is about four hours north of Sydney, um, on the coast, lovely, beautiful place to live. God called us there and lots of people say, oh, that's a tough gig. But let me tell you, there's parts of it that are not tough. <laughs> but, you know, God, there are people still everywhere that don't know who Jesus is. And so our job is to continue to display him and introduce people to Jesus. And that's a cool thing. So anyway, so I love being here. And um, it's very cool to see where you are too. Because I think, uh, yeah, we did start the journey similar time. And so it's always great to know there's brothers and sisters all around the place that are doing the same thing, worshipping Jesus and walking out their life as he calls them to. And I actually, that's one thing I really want to share with you today is about playing our part. And um, I love that we sang, um, great job worship team actually, that was really cool, I really enjoyed that. Particularly that song, Communion as well, that was beautiful. Um, and I love that at, at Narandra this morning, the theme of God being great, was there as well, and then, and then you did that song, and I'm like, oh my goodness, God, you are speaking. He's just reminding us he is great, and he is worth celebrating, isn't he? He's worth celebrating and worshipping. Um, can I also say that I love having you young people in here? I really love having you young people in here. You actually, um, uh, you matter. And so my message is not just for the people over however, whatever age, this is for all of you, Because every single one of you as a young person too, doesn't matter how young you are or how old you are, you have a part to play in God's story. And uh, so I actually want to speak into that. So don't disconnect because this message is for you as well, all right? Um, So it blows my mind that God's story from the beginning to the end is mapped out and he invites us to be part of that. It's mind-blowing to me because I just feel like his love is so deep he, his heart is so for us, or for the world, really, and he includes us in that story, and I love that. So I need to make sure I don't fall down the steps, don't I? <laughs> that will not be a good look. Um, so this, this week, my uh, Jeremy from Narandra and my daughter Becca, we're going to Melbourne for a study camp. I'm doing a diploma of ministry. Nothing like starting a diploma of ministry when you're already my age, but anyway... Um, it's actually been very good for me to just knuckle down and do some study. I, didn't, I haven't studied since I was 16, so it was a bit of a shock. But um, 
One of, the, one of the things we had to do this week was to actually write our story. So to sit and look at the things that happened in our life that were pivotal, that might have been good, they might have been negative, they might have been hard, painful, and then to look at how God used that to shape us. And it's been a very good exercise, and I want to encourage you, when you have a spare three seconds, <laughs> it'll probably take you a little bit longer than that, to actually do that, to just look at your life and go back and see that God uses all the moments. Some of the moments are really messy. I look at my, looked at mine and went, mm, there were some not great choices I made. And yet God turned my life around because there was pivotal moments where he stepped in and, and it's good to actually remember that and remember the greatness and the goodness of God in there. Um, there are countless stories in the Bible from the beginning right the way through of people who were playing their part. People that listen to the whisper of God, because sometimes when God speaks, it is only a whisper and we have to be paying attention. But there are people who walked in the presence of God, who stepped into what God was asking of them and did what he asked of them. And some of those are very well known. Like if you think about it, if you've you know, been following Jesus for a little while, you would know. You would have heard people like Noah or Moses, or Mary, or Joseph, or Joshua. They're all big names, right? They're big stories. But did you know there are a few people, quite a few people in the Bible, that I just mentioned and their own name might only be in there for this much of the Bible? There's just a few. And I really want to touch on those today because I think sometimes we can look and think, well, I'm not a Moses. I can't do what he did. And we discount ourselves sometimes with what God can do in us or with us, using us. And so I want to touch on some people that maybe are, in the world's eyes, they might be considered sidekicks, right? They're not the main event. You know when you go to a concert, or well, maybe you don't, but if you go to a concert, you know, you've got the main event and then you've got the, the bands that are kind of are up and coming. You don't really know who they are. Sometimes they're better, I just like to say. <laughs> But, you know, they're often like the sidekicks. They're not the bands that are well-known, but everybody's come for the main event. But you kind of listen to the sidekicks just to, you know, just because you're there, you paid the money. But do you know in God's kingdom there are no sidekicks? There's no one in God's kingdom that is less than anyone else. That's good news, right? We are all on a level playing field when it comes to God. He sees every single one of us. You are just as important as the person next to you. You are just as important as me. We all are unique. And yet God's heart is for every single one of us. There's no sidekicks. We are all the main event. How good. I love it. So I've titled this message, Let's Play Our Part. And before I go into the Bible stuff, I just want to share a story with you. Um, so I emigrated here from England. Right? I grew up in London and I emigrated here when I met an Aussie. And I fell in love with him, you know, blah, 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 blah. And I came here in 1989 and I chose to leave my family, who I love dearly, and come here because I felt God say, you need to move there. And I was 19, so pretty young to make that decision to move across the other side of the world. However, as I said in tracking my story, I see that God's hand is on that. Um, anyway, so... Last year, I said to my husband, I really, really, really want to go back to England to spend Christmas with my family. I haven't done that since I was 21, and I really want to go back. So we went back, and um, I said to my husband, is there anywhere in England you want to go? Anything you want to do 
that is not just hanging out with my family because I would just do that, you know, sit around the fire, eat lots of chocolate. <laughs> That's great Christmas for me. But um, he said, I really want to go to this place called Holy Island, which is just on the border of Scotland and England. Right? It's just a tiny little island just off, on the, off the side. And I was like, okay, you want to go there? That's great. So because Aussies... Is everyone here in this room an Aussie? Yeah, okay. Yep, that's cool. So Aussies are great, and actually even country Aussies are better at this than even city Aussies. You go the distance. You drive, right, a long way. Somebody says, come visit me, and it's three hours drive, and you're like, yeah, no worries. We'll come for afternoon tea. In England, if you go two hours, you have to go for the whole weekend. <laughs> They're a bit lame, bless them. Is this recorded? <laughs> shouldn't have said that. Sorry, everybody in England. Um, I have become Australian, so I'm including myself in the same thing as you. <laughs> but anyway, so to go up to Scotland was like, it's like a nine-hour drive. And my family are like, you're going for like three days. What are you doing? I was like, that's what you do. It's just a thing. Anyway, so we went to this place called Holy Island. And I just want to touch on a couple of things. When we were there... Um, I didn't know anything about it. My husband had done some reading about it, but I found out afterwards about some of the history of that place and the people that had gone before. And I was walking around seeing things that were built in 600, the year 600, right? That's just a, just a few years ago. And there were buildings and there were... Um, it was a priory. There were people that went before, and I won't, I won't go into the whole details um, of it, but there were people that were following God that stepped in to play their part in this part of England. And some monks that were in 600 were, were sold out to introduce Jesus to the northern part of England. And they were like, we will just meet people on the roads. We will talk to whoever is in front of us. If they know Jesus, then we're just going to encourage them and stir them up and if they don't know Jesus then we're going to introduce them to Jesus and baptize them <laughs> and these monks so this is like in 600, 600 AD these monks lived on this island and they went around the north of England and basically the north of England was completely re-evangelized the king of the north of England wanted that to be re-evangelized for Jesus and these people were sold out to that these monks they were I'm going to commit my life to that and the signs and wonders were following them. Anyway, I found that, all that out afterwards. But when I was there, I just I knew some of the story. And I was walking around thinking, I am just this part of the story. My part is tiny. There are people that came hundreds of years ago. It's very humbling walking around a building that you know has been there since 600. It's like mind-blowing <laughs> to think of these stones that have been laid by people hundreds of years ago. And I was thinking, I just felt very humbled by it, like I was just a tiny part of history. Not in a negative way, just in a, let's just recognise we are actually part of a big story. I was saying this morning, history, his story. We're part of that. And it's good for us to recognise that we are part of a big picture. But also, we are here now because God called us to be here now, serving him. So our part to play, just like those people in 600 AD, they played their part. They introduced people to Jesus and the country was not the same after that. And so we have to play our part. So it was just a very interesting experience for me, actually. Um, and if you do want to find out more about that story, I can give you a 
website to look up because it's fascinating about this island. It, actually, there's a few people that live on it and it has a fishing, um, has a fishing industry and, but the tides wash over the road in and out. So you have to pick your time <laughs> when you go visit the island, otherwise you're stuck there. But anyway, so if you want to know more about it, I can give you a website. But I just wanted to share that with you because often we think about people that are up there doing God's work and we sometimes hear the big stories and we compare ourselves and we go, I'm not that. And we then discount ourselves or we just think what we're doing is not significant. But I want to tell you, when we play our part, it is significant in the kingdom. God sees it and he calls us, each one of us, to different things. So I'm going to tell you about some people in the Bible who are only, they're just mentioned briefly. But actually what they do is significant in God's story. So I want to encourage you today. It doesn't matter who you are, what you're doing. I want to encourage you that you are part of his story and that how you're wired and the things that you're good at, the skills you have, God can use when you put them in his hand. That's good, isn't it? That's good news, right? None of us are discounted. Okay, so I'm going to tell you about Jethro. So let me read you this. This Jethro is a priest of Midian and um, Moses' father-in-law. So this is Exodus 18, 13 to 27. The next day Moses took his seat to serve as judge for the people and they stood around him from morning till evening. When his father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he said, what is this you are doing for the people? Why do you sit alone as judge while all these people stand around you from morning till night? And Moses says, because the people come to seek me, to seek God's will. Whenever they have a dispute, it is brought to me and I decide between the parties and inform them of God's decrees and instructions. That sounds exhausting, doesn't it? <laughs> morning till night of people's problems. Anyway, it happens, it happens. But Moses' father-in-law says to him, what you are doing is not good. You and these people will only wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it alone. Listen to me now and I will give you some advice and may God be with you. You must be the people's representative before God and bring their disputes to him. Teach them his decrees and instructions and show them the way they are to live and how they are to behave. So right there, Jethro is just affirming Moses' role. He's saying, this is what you're called to do. You actually are called to teach these people and to show them how to live God's way, but you need to do something other, a different way. So then he says, you need to select capable men from all the people, men who fear God, trustworthy men who hate dishonest gain, all character stuff, and appoint them as officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties and tens. Have them serve as judges for the people at all times. But have them bring every difficult case to you, the simple cases they can decide themselves. That will make your load lighter because they will share it with you. If you do this and God so commands, you will be able to stand the strain and all these people will go home satisfied. So Moses listened to his father-in-law. There's lots of wisdom going on here. The one who's sharing the advice and the one who's listening. Moses listened to his father-in-law and did everything he said. He chose capable men from all Israel and made them leaders of the people officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties and tens, and they served as judges for the people at all times. The difficult cases they brought to Moses, but the simple ones they decided themselves. So Moses was running himself ragged. 
helping people sort out all sorts of things. We don't get the details, but I imagine, you know, as people, we're complex sometimes and we have difficult things we're trying to nut out. So Moses is trying to do that for everybody. This is the whole of the Israelites that came out of Egypt. There's a lot of them. It wasn't just, you know, 20 people. There was a lot of people, so that's why he was doing this morning till night. And Jethro's like, that's not wise. This is not good for you. Not good for you and not good for them. So Jethro gave him some advice, gave him some practical advice. And what I love about this, this is only, he's only in there for a little bit, but what I love about this is actually changed then how the Israelites did life from there. It actually was a practical way to shift what was going on and couldn't have been sustained into something else. And some of you here might be really practical. I think sometimes we look and we go, in the church, um, we can think that serving God is all about maybe this role or this role. We sometimes don't see that actually when we're wired for practical advice or we can logistically see that would be better that way, not this way, we don't realise that's actually serving God. That actually is bringing your gifts and your skills. Jethro had a skill here. He was like, if you did this instead of that, this could go so much better. And Moses instilled it. He put that in place. And so some of you here might be very good with the logistical. Trevor and I were joking about this before at lunchtime because I said I needed Jethro because <laughs> I'm not very practical at all. I'm like, I have good ideas and then I'm like, uh, and I think <laughs> somebody else we know is like this. Um, I've got great ideas, no idea how to execute it. And I'm like, this would be fantastic. Actually, my husband is like Jethro. He goes, that won't work. <laughs> and then he goes, you could do this or this or this. this. Um, so we do need people that are wired for that, that are good at that. And Jethro doesn't have a massive role other than that, in that at that place. But it's in there to remind us that the skills that God has given us can be used and we need to... Take our skill and say, I'll give it to you to use for the kingdom. So I just want to encourage you, if there's any of you here that are really practical and you see, you look, it often can be shot, it often can come out like, I can't believe they can't see how to do that better. <laughs> That's often how it might come out. But so if you feel like that about certain things, then you need to look and go, hmm, have I got a gift in that area? Have I got a gift that means I could help somebody do this better? It's actually a good thing. Um... All right, let me tell you about another couple of people. I should have practiced this name again. I keep getting stuck on this name. So, Bezalel and Oholiab. <laughs> Don't you love names in the Bible? They're a bit tricky to say. Um, this is in Exodus uh, 30, uh, sorry, 35, 30 to 35. So Moses had been instructed by God to build a tabernacle, right? A place for God. And he needed to find people to make it happen. So... It says, Then Moses said to the Israelites, See, the Lord has chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, the son of Hur, the tribe of Judah. And he has filled him with the Spirit of God, with wisdom, understanding, with knowledge, and all kinds of skills. Now listen to the skills. To make artistic designs for work in gold, silver, and bronze, to cut and set stones, to work in wood, and to engage in all kinds of artistic crafts. And he has given both him and Aholiab, son of Ahishamach, of the tribe of Dan, the ability to teach others. The ability to teach others. That's something God loves. 
He has filled them with skill to do all kinds of work as engravers, designers, embroiderers in blue, purple and scarlet yarn and fine linen and weavers, all of them skilled workers and designers. How good is that? We often don't think about that as something that God may, maybe looks at. Who in this room is kind of has a creative... Actually, I heard it. You were talking about people making pillowcase dresses. Is that you? Yeah. So creativity, I love it. That's so good. So this, this passage reminds me that actually creativity, God loves it, actually loves it. And I reckon this is put in to remind those that are creative, you can serve God with this gift. You actually can do something amazing with it. And so these two men were teaching others their skill. They had a, they had a skill not just in the creative, they had a skill in teaching other people. So maybe you need to teach other people. (laughs) Maybe you are already. But what I love about it is it doesn't discount. Sometimes I think creatives, they're they're wired to see beauty in things the rest of us can't see. And sometimes um, I think God just wants to encourage creatives. So if you're creative, be encouraged. God loves it. It says in the Bible that he's giving people opportunity to work in that creative sphere and to encourage other people and teach other people in it. Okay, so now I'm going to tell you about somebody that doesn't even have a name. So I want to encourage you here. Sometimes we think that what we do isn't seen or important or no one knows, no one knows what we're doing. And we might feel like we have no name. So I want to read this to you. This is in 1 Samuel 16, 14 to 23. Now the spirit of the Lord had departed from Saul, and an evil spirit from the Lord tormented him. Saul's attendants said to him, See, an evil spirit from God is tormenting you. Let our Lord command his servants here to search for someone who can play the liar. He will play... Sorry, that's spelled L-Y-R-E, not liar as in tell lies. (laughs) It's like a guitar thing. Um, He will play when the evil spirit from God comes on you and you will feel better. So Saul said to his attendants, find someone who plays well and bring him to me. Now this is verse 18. Listen to this. One of the servants, that's the only recognition he gets. One of the servants answered, I have seen a son of Jesse of Bethlehem who knows how to play the liar. He is a brave man and a warrior. He speaks well and is a fine looking man and the Lord is with him. That's all he says. Then Saul sent messages to Jesse and and said, send me your son David who is with the sheep. So this Jesse is David's dad. Send your son David to me who is with the sheep. So Jesse took a donkey loaded with bread, a skin of wine and a young goat and sent them with his son David to Saul. David came to Saul and entered his service and Saul liked him very much and David became one of his armour bearers. Then Saul sent word to Jesse saying, Allow David to remain in my service because I am pleased with him. Whenever the spirit from God came on Saul, David would take up his lyre and play. Then relief would come to Saul, he would feel better and the evil spirit would leave him. Now there's a complex story and there's a lot of theology in there I'm not touching on. But I am wanting to say that that servant introduced David to Saul in this setting. And we know that David became one of the greatest kings of Israel 
I was saying this morning, it's like this servant gave a business card and said, hey, you need to contact this guy. He can help you. It's a tiny thing he did. He just recommended. And he probably thought, this is not a big deal. All I'm doing is putting forward someone's name. And yet, that changed the trajectory of that story. God's in all this. It's not like God that surprised God. But this servant has no name, and yet he played a part in this story. Isn't that cool? I just think, to me, it reminded me that actually we don't even need to worry about our name being known. Because we serve a great God and we have an audience of one. We actually don't need to worry about anybody else. We have an audience of one. It's only him that matters. So when we feel like our maybe we're not noticed or maybe somebody didn't see what we did, didn't hear the word that we spoke nicely over that person, he is the one that's paying attention. It's only an audience of one that we have. That's cool. Actually, there's a lot of pressure taken off us because of that. (laughs) Because we only have to worry about him. But I really wanted to touch on that because God used this servant. But we don't even get to know his name. He used that person to shift history. Do you believe he can use you to shift history? Just stop and ask yourself that. Even... If you're young here, do you believe God can change history using you? Absolutely. Because we don't know how old that servant was. We don't get to find out. We don't get given those details. There's a story in uh, Two Kings. I'm not going to read it to you. But there was a man who had a really bad skin disease. He was very important. He was called Naaman and he was the commander of the army. Very important man, had lots of people under him. There was a young girl who had been taken captive from Israel. That was his wife's servant. She was just a young girl. We don't get told her age. But she may have been similar age to some of you here. We don't know. But she was serving her mistress. And Naaman had a terrible skin disease called leprosy, which was nasty. It's not just like a bit of eczema. It was nasty. And so Naaman was very competent at his job, but he had this skin disorder which actually caused him a lot of grief. And so this young girl, she knew about God. She knew what God could do. And she'd also heard about Elisha. And she was like, if she went to her mistress and she said, now this takes courage because back in those days, if you stepped out of line, you were gone. So she went to her mistress and she said, if only my master would go and see Elisha, I know that he could be healed. That's pretty brave, right? This little girl that said she absolutely knew that God could do something and she knew that Elisha could help her master. So the mistress obviously went to the master and said to Naaman, just heard this from our servant girl, um, You can go to Elisha and find out. So he went to the king and said, can I have permission to go to this, to Elisha, blah, blah, blah. So the story goes that he goes to see Elisha and Elisha says, I want you to go dip in the Jordan River seven times. And he's like, I'm not doing that. (laughs) No way. And he was a bit cranky because I think he thought Elisha was just going to go, you're healed, bang. But sometimes God wants us to step into another thing. 
He doesn't just want to go like that. He actually is like, what can I teach you in this space? So Naaman actually had to do a little bit of a journey with that. The Bible tells us a little bit of the story. But he eventually goes and dips in the pool, or dips in the river. And the Bible says this, his flesh was restored and it became clean like that of a young boy. Isn't that cool? That means his skin was completely restored and he was healed by God. Now imagine if that little girl had gone, I'm too young, I can't say anything, I'm too scared. That story could have been a different story. Again, God is good and God will use whatever he can do over and above what we can ask or imagine. But if that little girl had not stepped in and said, God can do this, God can change it for you, his story might have looked different. And this is why I want to say to you young ones, do not discount yourself from what God can use you for. We don't know how old that girl was. But she was brave and she stepped in and she said what God really, she, God positioned her there for that moment. And that's all we get to hear about her. She was in this part of the history of the Bible, this much, which is very humbling again, like I said, to feel like you're only part of this, his story, this much of it. And yet she stepped in and she was brave and she was part of that changing history. So there are stories that have happened all around our world of people stepping into playing their part for many years, many moments, and often it is maybe only a moment. But God sees it and it doesn't matter how big or small it is. It doesn't matter how big or small it is. If you step in and you say to God, I will serve you, I will speak if you ask me to speak. I will do what you ask me to do. Maybe God will ask you to do something creative. Maybe God will ask you to have a solution to something that can change the course of somebody else's life. But remember that you have an audience of one. His voice is the only voice that matters. And you have people around you. So being in a church community, I actually love your... Um, Small church, big community. I love that. That is such a great thing. So you have community around you. So when I say his voice is the only one that matters, I don't mean you just shut everyone else out and say, don't need to listen to you. Because we have people around us in community and pretty much all those stories I've just shared with you are about community. <laughs> so it's really important that we have this because we bounce off each other and God speaks through us to each other as well. But what I'm saying is, when we're talking about looking for recognition, we only need to look to him. He's the only one that we want to actually, um, I was going to say impress, maybe that's not the right word, but you know what I'm saying, right? <laughs> um, when I was flying in, uh, I love flying in over the country. I, I love it, because where I am, it's, uh, we do have some fields and things. <laughs> it's not all beach. Um, but I, I love flying in over this, air, this region. And the fields are just stunning. And as I flew in, I looked down and I was like, the patterns are incredible from the air. They are absolutely stunning. You've got green fields, different shapes. You've got brown fields with patterns in them. I really should ask you what the patterns are. I don't know what they are. <laughs> but they are just beautiful. They're really stunning. Like, I just was, I was a little bit in awe, actually. I know they're just fields and that sounds a bit lame, but I just saw this beauty looking down and I thought, this is what it's like. This is what, what we are like as people together. 
we have some of us that are maybe like the green field and there's lots going on in our world and it feels all full of life and fresh. But then we might have seasons where actually we're like a field that's just waiting to be, to be um, have seeds, seed sown again. We might be lying fallow for a bit because it's just that season. But yet the beauty in that even is stunning. And I just, I was really encouraged by it. And I just also thought that my perspective, because I was up high, was different to if I had been on the ground. So when you're standing on the ground and you're looking this way, you may not see much. It may not look like much. But when you take your perspective up, you can see much wider and much broader and you see the beauty. And so I was like, God, we need to ask for your perspective when we are thinking about how we can serve you, how we can play our part, how our part is important because we are part of history. We're part of his story. And so I just was like, God, we need to ask for your perspective to see what you see. Because often we can only see in the natural and we need God to give us a heavenly perspective to see what it is that we're doing or what we've been asked to do. Some of you might work in the marketplace here and you're like, I don't know why I'm here. Trevor and I were just talking on the way in because I work at a um, paediatric OT, right? So we work with kids on the spectrum with ADD, ADHD, ASD, all the Ds. And I've been working there for eight years and I work there three days a week and I love it. I do love it. Um, it keeps me grounded about what is going on for people in real life. And, but then when I started working there, I was like, how can I serve God in this place? I'm just behind the desk. I'm welcoming people coming in, but I'm doing payments and you know all the admin stuff. And I'm rubbish admin. I don't know how I got the job, but anyway. Um, so I'm there doing that and I'm thinking, how am I going to be, how am I going to make a difference to my community here? Because I can't talk about Jesus in the middle of the reception area. That's not what people are going to want to hear. And yet I've had the most amazing opportunities just to speak life and encourage people in that place. So if you work in the marketplace, don't discount what God can do in that place. Ask God what your gift is there, why he's positioned you there and let him use you there because you could change the course of history for someone's life that you don't know. You don't know maybe what you, one thing you say, like that little servant girl, or the, or the guy that's basically, oh, I could recommend this person for you. David can play a, a liar and calm that king down. Maybe God will use you to actually point someone in the direction of someone who can tell them about Jesus because you might not be able to in your workplace. Anyway, I'm just trying to encourage you that wherever you're positioned, whatever you're doing, school, some of you are here at school, sometimes that's a tough gig. But you know what? Jesus is with you at school. And he actually may have positioned you to have influence of a group of friends and you need to ask for heaven's perspective to show you what part you can play there, how you can shift things for people, or somebody else. If you have breath in your lungs, you can be used by God. That's the only criteria. And a willing heart. <laughs> breath in your lungs, a willing heart, God can do anything with you. Do you believe that? I hope so, because I believe it. I believe it. I feel like this. Actually, I feel like that when we were sitting down here and I saw that for the first time in it, I was like, small church, big community. 
A big community taps into their community and makes a difference and I feel like that is who you are as a group of people. So the community will get bigger. <laughs> so how good is that? I love that you're doing Samaritan's Purse and uh, they're, they're things that people join in with and say, you're making a difference. You're making a difference for somebody. That's really important. So what is your part? Do you know what your part is and what is God asking of you? You are only responsible for your part. Sometimes we, we look to this side and go, I'm not as good at them. I'm not as... <laughs> I was going to say as good as them at speaking and I'm that, that, that. Sometimes we look and go, I'm not as good as that person with what they do. I'm not as good as this person with what they do. But you're not responsible for them. You are only responsible for you and your choice to submit to God what you've got. And that's good news. You don't have to compare yourself with anybody else. You are you. You are you for reason and purpose. You are you because God has designed you that way. Your gifts and your talents are unique to you. And so when you bring them to him and say, I'm willing to serve you with what I've got, he will use you. And you get to play your part. Somebody might be writing about you in 50 years' time. Who knows? I mean, I was reading about those guys in the 600s because somebody wrote a story about what they did. I'm absolutely convinced at the time they probably were just getting on with what they were getting on with. They probably just looked like you and me, serving God, talking to people about Jesus. But somebody wrote down the story to encourage the rest of us. So somebody might write a story about you and the things that you think are insignificant or not that important or not a big deal. Let me tell you, when put in the hands of God, they can be outstanding. And that's exciting. So can I pray for you? Is that all right? So just, I want you to just close your eyes for a minute. God, I firstly, I thank you for this group of people. I thank you that you see every single one in this room and you know who they are. You value who they are. You created them to be who they are. I want to ask, Lord, that you reignite passion in them or ignite passion in them and a fire to serve you no matter what. Lord, I ask for courage over each one to step in to play their part, whatever that is. I ask for them to have willingness, actually I ask for all of us to have willingness to play our part in your story to have the courage and the wisdom to step in when you ask us to. I ask that you will allow them to look to you only and not to compare themselves to anyone else. Lord, I ask for comparison to not even enter their mind. I ask for you show them heaven's perspective about what you see over them and for them. I ask that you lead them by your spirit in power and truth. And I ask that you... Allow them to listen to the whisper of the Holy Spirit. Lord, will you give them courage to step in, not to hold back, not to be fearful, but to play the part that you've called them to play. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. I'm excited for you guys. I really am. Sorry. <laughs> I'm actually excited. It is actually an honour to be here and I'm excited because I don't know pretty much all of you and I'm excited because I think 
What can God do with a willing heart? The Bible shows us what God does with willing heart. But what can he do in you and through you and around you? That's exciting. I hope this week you start to see what your part can be and listen to the whispers of heaven about what he can call you to do. That's cool.